Football and Grits, your SEC-centric podcast here on The Athletic. It's Tuesday. I'm Aaron Suttles. That means it's a subscriber participation day where you guys fire in your questions to the mailbag. I try to do the impossible task of picking out three or four of those great questions among the, the many that we get, and we talk a little SEC football. What a mess the SEC has been over the last week with a lot of postponements, cancellation of games, most notably Alabama LSU, as we talked about last week, it was uh, it was uh, it was likely that game wasn't going to be played. Quite frankly, I don't think LSU wanted to play that game. Understandably, why, given their roster the way it was, uh, and that game must postpone. And now we're going to deal with a mess of trying to reschedule it because of the whole Florida in the East. Alabama looked like it's going to win the West scenario that's going to play out. Plus, LSU wants that home game money. Uh, it's a big game for them, the Alabama game. So there's a a whole mess to figure out. We've already had a postponement this week with Texas A&M Old Miss off the schedule. So um, it's it's a messy time right now. It's getting colder. Uh, we know how viruses work. That generally means that uh, viruses are, are being passed more easily. I'm not going to get into the whole COVID thing. I'm not a scientist, but uh, you know, contact tracing seems to be really controversial now. And coaches have um, have come out against it a little bit. We've heard Nick Saban say the science with the with the contact tracing, uh, why players are out as long as they are with the contact tracing versus players who actually test positive for the virus. Uh, there's just it's a messy time of year right now. We're just hoping we can uh, get the season in. But um, regardless, Alabama's played six games. A lot of SEC teams have gotten uh, games in. So even worst-case scenario, they have to shut the season down tomorrow. I'd say it's been a success because you got games in when you know three, four, five months ago it didn't look like we were playing any football. We've gotten the majority of the season in, and if we can get teams to adhere to their own protocols, and maybe we can get this thing out. But I want to, just wanted to take uh, time to thank you guys for sending in great questions. Also, if I could ask you for a kindness, please subscribe, rate, and review Football and Grits to help us get the podcast out to new listeners. You guys have been doing an excellent job with the questions, and I certainly appreciate it. You know, I said it's a messy time of year. Uh, it was messy this week at South Carolina, where they fired Coach uh, Will Muschamp. Michael H. asked, Muschamp got canned this week, parentheses, long overdue. What other coaches are on the hot seat in the SEC? You know, it's funny. Last week I was asked about Hugh Freeze um, and where I thought he would be a good match. And the first thing I said was South Carolina. And I said, you have to make a determination if you're South Carolina. Because one, if, you, if you've identified Hugh Freeze as your guy, then you need to get out in front of it. You want to get out. You want to be the first interviewer in other words right if there's a great candidate out there for a job you want to get out in front of him first before all the other competition gets out there because South Carolina while it can be a good job and it wasn't that long ago when Steve Spurrier had them in back-to-back-to-back 11-win seasons is not the best job in the SEC and if you're going to compete with other jobs in the SEC or the ACC or wherever you have to be realistic about where your pecking order is in that conference and and so 
I think South Carolina, if, if that determination is that Hugh Freeze is your guy, then getting out in front of it and maybe locking him up before it becomes a bidding war is the, is the best scenario. And we'll see how that plays out. But I thought it was funny how we talked about that last week, and it might be playing out this week. Although South Carolina may be locked in on another coach. So we'll see how it plays out. But back to Michael H.'s questions, other coaches in the SEC on the hot seat. I think you look at – I'm just going to throw some names out there. And there are a variety of reasons I'm putting these names, and i got four of them on here um, some are more realistic others are not but there's a reason why so uh, Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee um, it's just not gone the way that we thought it would go for the balls this year you know it's not that long ago remember they were riding the, the longest winning streak I believe in the nation or at least in the conference and they got a couple wins to start the season South Carolina they knock off Missouri and then things have just gone real south they've lost Four in a row. They lose to Georgia. They lose to Kentucky. They lose to Alabama. Those were all blowout losses. And then they lose to a suddenly resurgent Arkansas team. Um, and they had this last week off. And, and now when you start looking at the rest of the schedule at Auburn, Auburn's starting to play some really good football. That's likely a loss. Um, at Vanderbilt, they'll probably win that. Um, they'll host Florida. That's probably a loss. They'll host Texas A&M. That's probably a loss. So when you start looking at it, you're looking at a 3-7 and seven season for Tennessee. And, and so that's why you throw Jeremy Pruitt on that list. Other names, um, Derek Mason is is a, a guy that, you know, listen, we all know that he's sort of hamstrung. He's handicapped there at Vanderbilt being what it is. But the last two seasons, um, the Commodores are 3-15 and 15 and have not won a game this year and probably are unlikely to win a game this year uh a couple others and these are probably more more unrealistic but can you listen and all our auburn listeners out there can certainly certainly attest to this but can you name a season when gus malzahn is not on the hot seat i mean they, they had that ugly loss to south carolina which is looking worse and worse by the day because as i mentioned they're starting to play some pretty good football, and and they're looking like a team that's playing well at the right moment. And, and we'll see when they get on the field again. But Auburn's uh, a program that that a large portion of their fan base is is not really, uh, I'd say, in love with Gus Malzahn. Um, but he's he's got that really large buyout, that sort of albatross around that program's neck that the, the number attached to his buyout that makes it very very difficult to um to sort of part ways with him especially when they start playing good football and they're they're just there is no more roller coaster a team in terms of the highs and then the inconsistencies uh than auburn um now there are other there are other there's a bigger roller coaster team in other areas and i'll deal with that later in the show, but in, in terms of the, the the peaks of how high they can get, and then out of nowhere, seemingly, and then just the next season or the sometimes the next week look like a different football team. That's Auburn, and, and a lot of people will say, "Well, that's coaching." So uh, Gus Malzahn's always sort of on the verge of the hot seat. How realistic that is, really, is how much uh, you got to determine how much money that you can throw toward that very very large buyout. And then this one seems crazy to even throw out there, given what we saw from this program last year. But LSU is a complete mess right now. 
Um, there's a story that came out earlier this week about some sexual assaults on the football team from another outlet that, that wrote that story, so they're dealing with that. Um, they're dealing with the NCAA around the program, not necessarily football, but it just feels like an athletic program right now that's in t- that's just constant turmoil. Um, and, and so that's why he's on the list. And, um, you know, there's been some issues in that locker room. They weren't happy with him earlier this year, um, you know, given the social, social unrest that was in this country. There's a variety of reasons why Ed Orgeron would be on that. Um, and the play of the defense, which we'll get to later, is certainly one of those. But that seems so unrealistic. And I'll say the reason a lot of these are unrealistic right now is you sort of have to – you ever play golf, right, and and you get a breakfast ball? You know what a breakfast ball is? Um, if you're playing golf, you get a breakfast ball. It's like a, it's like a, a free mulligan off the first tee. It's your first swing if you haven't been to the range. You, you play with your buddies, you get a breakfast ball is what they call it. Um, and it's basically like a, a mulligan. 2020 sort of feels like a mulligan for a lot of people because – because of the way the season played out, no spring practice, not knowing if you're going to play, then having to play, um, games being postponed. It's just been a weird year. And on top of that, more importantly, do you really want to pay a buyout when you every listen? I don't care if you get all ten games in the SEC this year. Every school is not getting as big a check as they got the year before from the SEC. Because their television partners didn't get a full inventory. They're not, they're not scratching a full check. You didn't have fans, the majority of fans in your seat. You're not getting concessions. You're not getting parking. Now, you're getting a portion of that, like 20% sometimes. But the point being, do you really want to spend money this year? Because is this the best year to judge it? Now, listen, if, if a guy's giving you enough reason uh, to part ways with him, then you yeah you make the decision this business as usual, but <clears throat> I don't think you judge a coach solely on this year unless it was so far completely off the rails that it showed you that he can no longer head your program, that it's going to cause bigger issues immediately next year. Unless it's that, I wonder if some of these coaches this year don't get a breakfast ball, don't get in sort of a mulligan. Because of everything that 2020 threw at them, and because of more importantly, do these athletic programs really want to write big checks, um, knowing they're not getting as much money as they got the year before uh, from the SEC and, and from their television partners, and, and just begin from season tickets and ticket sales and concessions and all of that. Um, and there's no guarantee that this is going to be over with. So. You have to start thinking fiscally, is it the responsible thing to do? Um, so I, those are the four guys I have on the hot seat. And on so, and some, you know, some are hot, hot, hot. Some are barely warm. And some are just always simmering, right? Like Gus Malzahn always seems to be simmering. That's where he is. But in the back of your mind, you got to think, yeah, this guy's on the hot seat, but does this program really want – and then this – I didn't mention this, but there's the, there's the perception of it too, right? You're, you're asking your donors for money, you know, saying there's so much of a shortfall, we need your help when you're out there buying, you know, paying buyouts. And, and, and some of it, we know how this works. Um, if you got the right sh- sort of stroke within a program, 
you know, some of these buyouts can be paid privately from the boosters, but there's still the public relations side of it where you're spending that money and then asking people for money to help with shortfalls. So um, there's the reality and there's the perception of it. And sometimes we know how that works, that perception is reality a lot of times. So even if a private donor was going to pay all the coaches buyout, there's still the, the perception that a school is paying X coach 10, 15, $20 million to go away while at the same time saying they're struggling financially. There's, that doesn't really jive with the average you know, blue-collar fan or you know, even white-collar fan to some extent. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Luke M. asks, with the awful play calling and time management of the Kentucky coaching staff, can this team's talent level achieve a good good bowl win this year? Holding Georgia to 14 and rolling over Mississippi State and Tennessee shows promise, but the ineptitude shown in our losses in troubling is troubling. You know, I said that Auburn was the most roller coaster team in terms of the highs and then the inconsistency, but from week to week, Kentucky is the biggest roller coaster team in the SEC. I cannot figure out Kentucky from year to year. And, it, and it, it's just, when you expect them not to be competitive, they're competitive. When you expect them, and that's where Kentucky has reached as a program, there are certain games you expect them to be dominant. Mark, Mark Stoops has done a good job of building that team from the inside out, from the line of scrimmage out. They've done a good job, so they can be competitive because they're solid and they're tough. They're a tough-minded football team, and they're built the right way. They're built old school, so they can be competitive in games where you don't really expect them to be. But but because of the way Mark Stoops has built that team and because um, of the job he's done, quite frankly, they've earned, they've earned the right sometimes to be expected to dominate a team. And then they don't. Or they just don't show up or they lose that game. So from week to week, Kentucky's a roller coaster, man. Um, in, in terms of a good bowl win this year, I, man, I, when you start looking at it, where they are, what are they? They three and four on the season. Um, now, who knows how bowls go this year? And obviously, they're probably going to lift or already have lifted the you know the six win criteria. But you know, Kentucky is is three and four on the season, and this is the games they got coming up. They got Alabama at Alabama. They got at Florida and South Carolina. I would say most realists in Big Blue Nation would say that's a one and two schedule to close the season, and then. You know, from there, we'll see what happens with bowl games and what sort of bowl invitation they would get. But that's a – you're looking at a, a four and six season. If that plays out that way with a win, uh, with a win presumably over South Carolina and then two losses at Alabama and at Florida. Again, Kentucky is built the right way. Um, and I, I always said this when I was examining Alabama's schedule this year. The, the newfound schedule when Kentucky got at it. Kentucky's a solid football team. 
it's not just a guaranteed win for most programs. Now, Alabama, Georgia, when you've recruited at their level and you've sustained what they've sustained, uh, then, yeah, you can go ahead probably go ahead and pencil that in. But it, it's a solid win. It's a solid win over Kentucky because they're a good football team. They built the right way, but they are really inconsistent on offense. They just don't have – they're so one-dimensional on offense. And it feels like they've been that way for a while. And, and so that's what's troubling. Um, but at the end of the day, and most people will tell you the job Stoops has done there is incredible and that most programs – would love to have Stoops, um, unless you're at the upper echelon where you've already got a great coach. Um, they're doing a good job, but I do think they need to evaluate. You know, sort of. It's hard to play college football at any sort of consistent level and achieve at any sort of level unless you got a great quarterback. And it just, it just doesn't seem they get consistent quarterback play at Kentucky and when they become one dimensional against some of these other teams it's easy easier to stop sometimes but they are the biggest roller coaster team in the SEC from week to week. Colby W asks how likely is it that LSU cans Bo Pelini this offseason? Let me preface this by saying I don't like it when anybody loses their job. I've lost jobs before. It's not fun. We always think about the coach, but we sometimes forget their families involved in this. So it's always uncomfortable. I never, I, I never wish for anyone to lose their job. That said, I don't see how Bo Pelini keeps his job this offseason. LSU's defense is bad. And it's so weird because LSU, for the longest time, maybe with the exception of last year, that's the, that was their identity. It was a defensive football team. That was their identity. Last year comes along, they're like out of the stratosphere with their offense, but – they still played some pretty good defense last year. This this year, they are they're they're ranked thirteenth in total defense in the SEC. Thirteenth. LSU. How is that possible? With all those dudes they got, we all know what they lost. But LSU recruits at an elite level. Alabama and Georgia lose a lot every year. They never fall off the planet. Ranked thirteenth in the SEC in total defense, passing defense. DBU guys. DBU is ranked 14th out of 14 programs in the SEC in pass defense. That's bad enough for that. You get stripped of DBU for a season like that. Rushing, you know, not not horrible. They're ranked 6th in the SEC. And in scoring defense, they're ranked 11th. It's just not the LSU defense we're used to seeing. And they've got some guys. They've dealt with some injuries in the secondary. And they've got dealt with guys being out. And then, obviously, the turnover from year to year. Um... I don't know that uh, we talked about a breakfast ball with some of these coaches on the hot seat. I don't know that Bo Pelini is going to get a breakfast ball. I don't know if he's going to get a redo. I don't know if his buddy in the, in, the, in the cart throws him another ball and says, hit another one. I don't know that Ed Orgeron's handing that out this year. I don't know. Frankly, I don't know if it's going to be Ed Orgeron's decision, meaning it may be so bad that uh, Scott Woodward, the athletic director, has to make the decision and doesn't give Ed Orgeron the latitude to keep Bo Pelini. It's been that bad. So I, I, while I hope no one ever loses their job, the reality is the reality is it's LSU. You're probably not going to keep that. Uh, Michael M. asked, what do you do to fix the schedule? Both Alabama and Florida need an LSU game, and it seems like the SEC would want both to play or both off before the title game. Now, I saw this scenario floated out there, um, and before we get to that, Alabama Athletic Director Greg Byrne yesterday said they are working on making that game up. So it looks like it's going to happen. It looks like Alabama-LSU is going to happen. And the one scenario that I've seen 
involves um, December 5th as the date. It, it, it looks like that would be the day they make that up. Now, I know what you're saying. Alabama has a game December 5th. December 5th, Alabama is scheduled to play Arkansas. Um, well, what they would do, I believe, is they would move that game to December 12th, the Alabama-Arkansas game to December 12th, which is currently a bye week for Alabama. LSU has already penciled December 12th to play another makeup game with Florida. And then LSU's game, I believe they play, or they're scheduled to play Old Miss on December 5th. You would move that game to December 19th, which is the day of the SEC championship game, which the SEC is already um, allowing teams to make up games that are not involved in the SEC championship game on December 19th. So that would that would allow both Florida and Alabama to play LSU, and then LSU to keep its traditional rivalry, and I believe that's a home game for LSU, uh, with Ole Miss, and, and so that would work out. It's not ideal, but it, it may be the way that that's played out, and it's there's that was a mess. Um, the whole the whole way LSU handled um, that testing and and really you know there was a story that came out from Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated that it really traces back to a Halloween party that LSU players attended. It didn't look good. It didn't look like LSU had control of their program, and that's just sort of what's going on at LSU right now. That's the perception of LSU right now. Is it just looks like from the outside. Now, from the inside, it may be completely different. But from the outside, just with well, the sexual, uh, the sexual um, misconduct allegations that were floated out this week and then the way the defense is playing, it just looks from the outside in like it's just a mess. Now, who knows how um, that exactly plays out? We don't. But for right now, it looks like there's a, there's a scenario out there that's been floated that it could be December 5th. Nothing official from the SEC. This was just from Glenn Gilbo um, with the Gannett chain of newspapers. He threw it out there that, that he's hearing that December 5th might be the day, and then you take Alabama, Arkansas, which was originally scheduled for December 5th, you move that to December 12th, and that uh, LSU's game, which was going to be on December 5th, was Ole Miss. You move that game to December 19th, and that way both Florida and Alabama have to play LSU and neither get a bye week quote-unquote, bye week before the SEC championship game. Listen, there's not a guarantee that Alabama's going to make the SEC championship game. It, it certainly looks that way, right? It's trending that way. But LSU, or rather Texas a and right on their heels. And Alabama still has to play Auburn. But don't forget, Alabama's got the tiebreaker over Texas A&M. Hey, thanks for listening to Football and Grits, the Tuesday edition. Coming up tomorrow, David Ubbin and Josh Kendall will take you inside the SEC East. Josh covers... South Carolina, you don't want to miss that one. The latest, what's going on with the firing of Will Muschamp and the hiring of a new coach. 